This recording is brought to you by Whitworth University. To hear additional programs, please visit www.whitworth.edu backslash podcast. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Welcome to Whitworth's 129th academic year. I'm tempted after those incredible reports by Greg and Cheryl just to release you for lunch and call it quits. <laughs> I hear an amen in the back there. Um, it is really a joy to be able to welcome all of you back, uh, welcome all of our newcomers, our new faculty and staff members. We're so grateful that you've joined our community. And this really is an incredible year. Greg stole my words. What a difference a year makes. And um, we really feel the wind in our sails right now as we enter into this academic year. And um, we're so very grateful. Uh, to God be the glory uh, for all of that. Thank you for, for all that you do. Um, I hope you had a wonderful summer. Um, the Taylor summer was quick, but nice. Um, the summers get quicker and quicker every year. I don't know how they uh, chalk up for you. Uh, we started our summer right after commencement by joining uh, 36 other Whitworthians on a trip to Israel. And uh, just a life-changing opportunity to visit the Holy Land. Julie's in my first opportunity to do that. And uh, Jim Edwards did a masterful job of teaching. Uh, Forrest Baird, uh, excuse me, Forrest Buckner, the other Forrest, Forrest Baird. But, uh, Forrest Buckner was along uh, to provide spiritual support. And, of course, Tad Weiser and Scott McQuilkin always do a wonderful job doing that. So ask me about Israel stories or ask me to see um, some photos. I'd be happy to share those with you. But for the most part, uh, Julie and I and the family stuck pretty close to home. Um, we spent time at the lake. And um, I won't tell you which lake, but the lake. And uh, got to host a lot of our family in and uh, enjoy uh, all that summer brings. Um, a little bit of smoke there toward the end, um, but we're so grateful that the skies have cleared out and we've got great weather heading into opening weekend. Um, and speaking of great weather and the beauty of things, doesn't our campus look absolutely gorgeous right now? Just gorgeous. So uh, we are so appreciative, of course, of everyone in facility services uh, that spend much of the summer getting the campus ready for another academic year. Our grounds crews have done an amazing job of beautifying our campus. I want to mention our capital projects crew as well as we're completing construction on the Beeksma Family Theology Center and other projects as well. They've done just a, an amazing job. Thank you to them. And I just want to give a blanket thank you to all of you who have helped along the way, beginning shortly after commencement, to make us ready uh, to accept this record-setting class. Uh, we're grateful that we have uh, 705 first-year students coming in, 100 transfer students, all of our new continuing studies and graduate students. These are this is just an amazing blessing for us. But it also comes with real challenges as well. And uh, we want to make sure that we provide the academic support and academic quality that our students are used to and uh, provide the home and community that we want to provide. And we couldn't do that without all of you. So thank you to all of you for helping us get ready for this really exciting fall. Um, Jason Thaxton was already mentioned. Uh, Anybody who talks to me, I brag on our board. We have a fabulous board of trustees, 36 members strong, women and men who give much of their lives, their service, their treasure to this institution to support what we do. 
Jason is our fearless leader on the board. He's just representative of the kind of people that we have. And he's doing his part as well. His daughter, Emma, is going to be a junior this year. He's uh, sending his son uh, to be a freshman this year. So, Jason, thank you not only for your leadership, but for sending your students to Whitworth University. Jason, would you stand and let us recognize you? Thank you. So just a, a quick uh, guide to what we're going to do this morning. It's 11.15 right now, and so I'm going to end no later than 12.10 so that we can bless our meal and head on over to uh, enjoy lunch together. But I want to spend just a few moments this morning at the beginning of the academic year doing a few things for us. Uh, certainly celebrating uh, the achievements of last year and uh, looking forward a little bit to uh, the things that we can uh, anticipate this coming year. But before we do that, uh, some of you are familiar with the mindset list that Beloit College um, puts out every year. The mindset list reminds us about the characteristics. This is kind of bothering me a little bit. Is that giving a lot of feedback? You okay? All right. Um, some of the characteristics of the incoming class. This is the class of 2022, which is frankly hard to imagine. And um, so this mindset list, I like to call I'm getting older list, but it gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what these 18-year-olds look like as they come in the door. By the way, um, some of you may have read in the Chronicle of Higher Education not only, unfortunately, is Beloit College having to make some severe cuts and cutting a lot of their academic programs, but they're getting rid of the mindset list, too. So, Nancy Hines, this may be an opportunity for us. <laughs> All right, so here are just a few characteristics of the class of 2022. Of course, this is the first class born at or after the millennium. So, no longer, as you're describing our students, can you refer to them as millennials. They are not millennials. In fact, they haven't been millennials for some time now. Um, we refer to this group of students as either Gen Z or the iGen generation. And I think uh, there's still a debate about what we want to call them. But I've read several articles this summer in the Wall Street Journal and New York Times that try to describe and understand these students. And I would certainly recommend you do the same. Um, they've always been able to cheat on Wikipedia. That's always been available to them. Um, unfortunately, the U.S. has always been at war in Afghanistan since they've been alive. Um, presidential candidates winning the popular vote but losing the Electoral College, that's a common thing. That happens all the time for these students. They don't blink an eye at that. Um, whereas most of us, I would say many of us, grew up hearing our parents tell stories about where they were when JFK was killed. These students have grown up hearing our stories about where we were on September the 11th. Um, there's never been an Enron, thank goodness. So accounting professors, you're going to have to change your curriculum a little bit. Um, and there's always been hybrid and electric vehicles on the road. The Prius uh, debuted in 2001. Um, they've never, unfortunately, seen a Crosstown World Series, um, which is a thing of the past. Um, now, Julie and I have rediscovered Survivor this summer. I'm just going to admit it, Julie, okay? We've been binge-watching Survivor. It is perhaps the best study of human behavior I've ever seen, okay? Uh, but this generation has always uh, known a Survivor. Um, 
A visit to a bank location is a rare thing, uh, very rare. They don't uh, go to banks. Um, Oprah has always been a magazine um, that they could subscribe to. Donnie and Marie, I don't know. Do you guys know who Donnie? Okay, good. You're with it. Um, the idea of going out for a pizza in Blockbuster means nothing to them. Uh, the visit to the video store, um, always been on the internet. The Mir space station has always been at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Among their classmates could be, could be Madonna's son Rocco, Will Smith's daughter Willow, or David Bowie's daughter Alexandria. Now I've checked with Greg, I don't think any of those three are in our, everybody's coming to Whitworth, but not those three, three kids. And lastly, uh, since these students have been alive, Leonard Oakland has either been in his fourth, fifth, or sixth decade <laughs> of service to Whitworth University. There's Leonard over there. Leonard is starting his 53rd year teaching at Whitworth University this year. Leonard, God bless you. Well, as you know, I always want to start the year by reminding us of what draws us together, what animates our service to this place, what inspires us each and every day to serve our students. And of course, it is our uh, mission. It is the mission to equip our diverse students with an education of both mind and heart, um, equipping them at graduation, and really equipping all of us to honor God, follow Christ, and serve humanity. I'm so grateful for that mission statement. Um, more than that, I'm grateful for the ways that you and our students own that mission and seek every day to live into it faithfully. Uh, our vision statement in the 2021 strategic plan reads that Whitworth will deepen its commitment to academic excellence and the integration of faith and learning equipping our graduates to respond to God's call in their lives with intellectual competence, with moral courage, and with deep compassion. Expanded student opportunities for experiential learning, intercultural engagement, and postgraduate preparation will elevate Whitworth's standing as one of the finest Christian liberal arts universities in the country. Now, that um, vision is, of course, supported by the eight goals that we have in Whitworth 2021. Uh, we've got three more years, three more academic years in front of us till the conclusion of that very comprehensive 10-year strategic plan. Um, let me encourage you, if you have some time, uh, to go online and look at the dramatic progress that we've made on so many of the objectives that we laid out for ourselves back in 2010. We've got a ways to go on many of them as well. So our work is still in front of us, but there's much that we can celebrate um, as part of our strategic plan. For those who are new and for those who need a little bit of a refresher, the eight goals that really provide the structure for the plan are these, that we want to advance Whitworth's distinctive approach to integrating Christian faith and learning. We want to strengthen intellectual vitality across all contexts of teaching and learning. We want to prepare Whitworth students to be global citizens. We want to demonstrate courageous leadership in an increasingly diverse world. We want to continue to elevate a liberal arts education as essential and relevant to all majors and careers, enhance Whitworth's strengths in graduate and continuing studies. Uh, we want to invest in Whitworth's employees and support a culture of continuous improvement. And last, we want to exercise good and diligent stewardship in growing Whitworth's financial and capital resources. 
any vision and any strategic plan wants essentially to do this. It wants to imagine a future where any of us would be proud to be able to hand over the institution that we serve today to people who will follow after us and be confident that it's a better place, that it lives into that mission in uh, more vital ways, that the students and employees that come after us will be well served. And I wanna thank you at the outset of the year for the great work we've done on that plan. Now, as I always do, I want to recap, spend some time recapping um, many of the achievements, certainly not all, that we experienced last year. And I'm always hesitant to do this because I'm invariably going to leave something out or someone out. But um, I'd rather risk doing that than gloss over the incredible year that we had last year. Remember, a year that was not without challenges. Uh, we started the year with an unexpectedly low class. We started the year with less resources, financial and otherwise, than we would have liked. Um, but together, as a team, we made last year really one of the most amazing years in recent history. And so at the risk of leaving some things out or leaving some people out, I want to just mention some things that we were able to accomplish together last year. Uh, U.S. News and World Report moved the institution to number eight among all Western regional institutions, uh, which is wonderful. Uh, perhaps even better recognition of what we know to be true. Uh, they ranked us as the number two best school in the West for undergraduate teaching and the number one private institution in the West for undergraduate teaching. We know this. It's nice to finally be recognized um, for that. Um, also, uh, we know that we've been working extra hard over a number of years to continue to provide the education we provide to students across the socioeconomic spectrum. And so also to be recognized as a number five best value in the West is certainly we're, something that we're grateful for and celebrate. Some other rankings organizations ranked us high among our Christian uh, school colleagues, number three in one ranking, number four in the other. Uh, once again, based on your input and information, uh, we celebrated being named once again a best Christian workplace. Um, that affirmed, I think, a lot of uh, the working environment that we share together, the trust that we share, the ways in which we come together and work. But it also highlighted some ways that we can be better, and we're going to continue to work so that uh, we, we don't grow complacent. Uh, we received a military-friendly designation by Victory Media for the second consecutive year. And some of you know that one of our strategic enrollment planning initiatives is to more fully embrace our veteran populations and to create opportunities for them at the institution. And uh, so we're going to continue to work on that. Uh, the Peace Corps ranked us number four among U.S. small schools for the number of placements last year. So um, I love, it. doesn't it say a lot about Whitworth that we're known as the military-friendly campus? And we're a top Peace Corps placement. <laughs> Says it all, I think, about Whitworth. That's wonderful. Um, in terms of international education and our ability to send students abroad, we moved up to number 18 in the international education's list of top master's level universities for study abroad particip participation. We're at about 48%, 49%, I think, of our undergraduate students who are studying abroad. Even a greater percentage are studying away from the institution in domestic settings, and so we want to continue to work uh, on that. Um, this is actually hot off the presses. Um, once again, for the second consecutive year, or not consecutive year, for the second year in three years, 
Whitworth has been awarded the Higher Education Excellence and Diversity Award from Insight uh, into Diversity Magazine. Um, this is something that we apply for. We have to demonstrate the work that we're doing around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Dr. Lorna Hernandez-Jarvis, our Chief Diversity Officer, submitted our application this year, and we just learned last week that once again we've received this prestigious award. And we are still the only uh, school within the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities that's ever received this award. So we're very, very grateful for that. I think, once again, demonstrating the leadership that, that we've been showing as an institution in this area. We were one of only two schools in the West selected for a very exclusive opportunity within the Council of Independent Colleges to have long and important conversations around diversity, civility, and the liberal arts. And we had a team go to that conference and they brought back a lot. I'm sure they contributed a lot too to the schools who were there. Um, we, of course, completed a year-long conversation here uh, on our campus about civil discourse. Um, so grateful to the ways that you all um, took advantage of those conversations. So grateful for those who spoke into that um, series. Uh, Nate King, uh, who was my partner in that project, and I have just published a book, a, a, a monograph of all of the papers um, and talks that were shared, and every one of you is going to get a copy of that here in the next uh, day or two. Um, would encourage you to go online, watch those sessions if you didn't get a chance to last year, and perhaps even use some of them in your coursework. Um, with the extraordinary leadership and effort of Deanna Ogenis, uh, the institution was reaffirmed in its regional accreditation by the Northwest Council for Colleges and Universities. Let's give Deanna a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Our lead investigator, our, our review team lead, said that um, he had been doing this work for some 20 years and had never seen an institution as prepared as Whitworth was for that, that site visit. So, Deanna, thank you for the important work and for all of you for achieving that important milestone. Um, our faculty have been hard at work last year and will continue over the summer and will continue into the fall discussing th the most significant revision to our general education curriculum in a long time. And so I really want to commend the uh, participatory and transparent work that the faculty is doing to lay an uh, incredible Christian liberal arts foundation uh, for the institution. And of course, we wish them our prayers and best as they continue that important work. Um, Lynn Nolan has continued to do a wonderful job in um, collecting our efforts and, and stewarding our grant proposals. This year, we had some $2.9 million in external funding come into the institution. She tells me that we're batting about 80% on our proposals. So I don't know if Lynn, you're here, but let's give Lynn a round of applause. <laughs> These external dollars are so important to the institution as they support uh, both academic work, research work, work we're doing in the classroom, co-curricular work, et cetera. And so we're so grateful for those of you who go to the effort to write external grants and proposals. A couple of individual accolades here. Theology's Dr. Haley Gornson Jacob was recently listed among 10 exciting young women theologians to watch. And so Haley, we're watching. We're watching. 
Um, we have worst forensics team. Our debate team continues to do a, an amazing job. Last year, once again, won the Christian College Debate National Championship. Uh, Mike Ingram is such a leader and a force in the national public debate uh, world and was able to bring the national tournament, the Public Debate Association National Tournament to Whitworth last year. And so we're really grateful for the performance of that team and Mike's leadership. Our School of Business students continue to shine. There's really no competition, apparently, in the Charter Financial Analyst Regional. I know that's not true. It's stiff competition, but for the fourth straight year, they brought home the regional prize in that particular competition. Uh, Natsihi, our yearbook, uh, was awarded the best yearbook in the country uh, this year by the American Scholastic Press Association. That is a student-run and organized and managed endeavor, but Tad Wisner provides a lot of important leadership to that group. So, Tad, congratulations to you and to the Nat Natsihi. Uh, one of our students in theology, Beck Beth McFadden uh, received first place prize in the Washington Consortium for the Liberal Arts Annual Essay Contest. Uh, for those of you who know better than me, I think this is like our third or fourth winner out of about five or six years, our fourth winner, Greg says. And so we continue not only to excel at liberal arts education, but excel at um, producing students who can articulate a liberal arts education. And so that's a, certainly a feather in our cap and in best cap. Another student, Nicholas Brad, out of chemistry, won the prestigious John Van Zeitfeld Award for Life Sciences at the Murdoch College Science Research Conference last spring, which Whitworth actually hosted here. And so uh, our STEM students are certainly distinguishing themselves uh, as, as themselves as well. Um, as Greg has already mentioned, and as I'll mention a little bit later, we completed our kind of first foray into the strategic enrollment planning world. For those of you who are new, uh, the beloved SCP acronym is really all about strengthening the demand for a Whitworth education in the future. And more specifically, it's about identifying either current or future academic programs or retention strategies that will continue to help us to meet our mark in terms of our enrollment and retention moving forward. As Greg mentioned, 10 out of our first 12 of those are being funded this year and being launched this year, which is very important. And we have a few others that I'll mention a little bit later that we're still considering. Uh, the Bucks Bridge program, which is our innovative program for historically underrepresented students and first-generation college students, uh, was begun last year. We doubled the size this year in part because of these fabulous results, 90% uh, retention rate among those students who participated in that program. Uh, got to speak to those students yesterday. They're excited to be on campus and so grateful for David Garcia's leadership in the Bucks Bridge program. Um, we were approved for a second cohort of the Innovative Wai'anae to Whitworth program with funding from the Kamehameha Foundation. We will have a team of Kamehameha visitors on campus later on this fall doing a bit of a site visit. And I'm just going to be frank with you. We're hoping to receive permanent uh, funding for these cohorts uh, to come from the Wai'anae Coast uh, uh, just north of Honolulu to our campus 
Um, this is a um, leadership and immersion program. And if you know any of the YNI students from last year, you know that they really added a lot to our campus. Keith Lambert has taken a lot of important leadership on this, and so we're so grateful uh, to Keith for that. There you are. Thank you. Uh, we're grateful that we're keeping our graduates out of their parents' basements these days. Um, uh, the good labor market and great education that we provide, uh, some 96% of our students found employment or graduate school placement six months after graduation uh, for the 2017 graduation cohort. Um, we did some improvement last year with Rosetta and Katie's leadership around educational support services and opened the new Veterans Lounge and the Hub. I think just two great examples of the ways that we're trying to, to provide those wraparound services for, for all of our students. Um, we completely reinvented our financial aid strategy, as Greg mentioned. Uh, we're doing it again this year, in fact, and we're very optimistic that this is going to allow us to meet many of the needs of our incoming students. Uh, we implemented completely new communication strategies for student registration and billing. Uh, we, uh, it, we're doing as good a job as we've ever done at meeting students at the front door of the institution, providing them with an incredible on-site campus visit. That is so important, and I'm so grateful to all of you for the warm welcomes that you provide our families and students who are on campus. Uh, several times this last year, I personally observed faculty and staff members going out of their way to walk across the loop to visit with students who are obviously on a tour. And I can tell you that the tour guides love that, um, and I know that the students and the family members love that warm welcome. So let's keep doing that. Uh, Cheryl, again, graduate and continuing studies continue to shine and uh, really provide an important, stable financial base for us, as well as, as you so well articulated, the life stories of those graduates who uh, graduate from our continuing studies and graduate programs. You've heard me say this before, everybody's happy at graduation. The only students with tears in their eyes are our continuing studies students as they walk across the stage and receive their bachelor's degrees. And uh, what a privilege it is to be able to award those to them. Uh, we are uh, continuing to benefit from the generosity and philanthropy of our donors. Uh, last October, we crossed the initial threshold of the comprehensive campaign for Whitworth. That campaign currently stands at about uh, $114 million all in. That campaign is comprehensive. It has literally touched uh, almost every uh, corner of campus. Um, last year, we saw more than 10,000 people make financial gifts to the institution, totaling some $12.7 million. That is the uh, second largest amount annually that we've ever raised. Uh, the only other uh, year that surpassed that was 2016. And so our donors continue to, to go to bat for us and to fund important projects, both annual projects, endowment projects, facility and projects projects, and we'll continue to work very hard in the campaign. Um, our uh, famed alumnus, uh, Ben Frank Moss, uh, from uh, uh, the art world, contributed some $1 million of his artwork to the campus. Stacy Moo has been cataloging all of that, um, and Julie and I uh, just uh, put a Moss painting up in our home. And so, uh, Stacy, I don't want to give you a ton of unsolicited business, but if you're interested in having a work by this uh, particular alumnus in your workspace, talk to Stacy. Um, just an amazing collection. 
Um, I said completed $2.8 million Beeksma Family Theology Center. That may get me in trouble for those of you who are still waiting to move in. Um, they're, they've worked well all summer, and the project, frankly, has gone very well. But we're just not quite there. And so thank you for your patience for those of you who are waiting to move in. Uh, we know that this is going to be an incredible new facility and resource for our, our students and faculty and community. Last year, we received a $3 million donation from Ann and Kim Storm and their family to endow our, our campus ministry program and to establish more specifically our endowed Dean of Spiritual Life position, Dr. Forrest Buckner. Our Dean of Spiritual Life will be installed into that position um, later on this fall. Uh, we're so grateful that um, that particular ministry has received that support. Uh, we're planning on some $1.5 million of renovation to our aquatic center that will be coming online after this current swim season. If you haven't been in the aquatic center recently, um, you would not know that it needs a significant renovation. The good news is that uh, most of the funds that are coming to do this renovation are coming from a single donor, um, a parent of a former swimmer who wanted to acknowledge the ways that Whitworth contributed to uh, his daughter's life, and so we're very grateful for that. Um, we're planning at the end of this academic year to do at least a $2 million upgrade to this facility. Um, thank you, yeah. And uh, be praying if we can find a couple of donors to help us out even more. We've got even more ambitious plans uh, potentially for this facility. But for sure, at the end of this academic year, um, you're going to be seeing some work on this facility. This summer, our facility services team has been hard at work on a number of projects. It would take me all morning to list them all, but some, some ones that you will likely notice, a brand new roof to the field house, uh, which is wonderful, and uh, Robinson Teaching Theater has never looked better and never sounded better. And so uh, we're really excited about the upgrades that took place in our, uh, on our campus this summer. Uh, we're planning on breaking ground this spring sometime on a new $13 million athletic leadership center. This athletic leadership center will house all of the coaches and staff and support for our NCAA athletics teams. Uh, we'll uh, create new spaces as they move out of existing spaces, but really excited about putting our teams together and the synergy that that's going to create. So we're hoping to break ground on that this spring. Um, due to the good partnership we have with Sodexo, as well as just the good work we're doing in facility services and across the institution, uh, this year we were named Washington's Recycler of the Year in higher education, which is wonderful. I woke up this morning thinking we've come a long way since the little green trash cans. For you new folks, somebody can explain that later. Um, Dolores Humiston and her fantastic staff, uh, all of the new folks who stood up and were introduced earlier are a result of searches, lots of searches to be supported. And we conducted over 100 searches this last year and not only contributed to the, the wealth of experience and talent on our campus, but significantly increased our workforce diversity as well. Um, they continue to roll out our online training platform, and she assures me that more and more um, of the kinds of things that will make us better employees and servants on campus will be ro being rolled out on that training platform. 
Uh, Ken Brown and his team have done a fabulous job on the technology side, making all kinds of improvements and updates. And uh, really, um, I can't remember an outage last year. I can't remember a time when we were uh, suffering from um, a lack of internet, or if you can remember it, well then you've got a, a better memory than me. I just send everybody home when that happens uh, in my office, because we don't know what to do when the internet goes down. So, um, but Ken, thank you to you and your fabulous team. Uh, Lorna Hernandez-Jarvis uh, led our campus in the completion of our first ever diversity action plan which is a unit-by-unit unit opportunity for us to think strategically and hard about the goals we have within diversity, equity, and inclusion. And our diversity cabinet and institutional diversity committee will continue to provide leadership on those efforts in, in each of your areas. Uh, Forrest Buckner uh, continues to do, and his team continue to do a fabulous job in campus ministry. They rolled out a revised um, position last year, our campus ministry coordinator student position, which has just done wonderful. Uh, we just hired a brand new campus pastor, Lauren Taylor, um, affectionately known in my house as the other Lauren Taylor. Um, and Lauren is going to be uh, uh, looking after and stewarding uh, those small group ministries, including uh, the second year for our life group ministry, which is opportunities for staff and faculty to lead small groups um, in their homes or other places. And so if you have any questions about those opportunities, I'm sure Lauren Taylor would like to answer those questions. Our Office of Church Engagement, the external, uh, externally facing arm of our campus ministry has done just a, a continue to do a fabulous job of not only raising money, but more importantly, using that money to equip pastors and lay leaders and congregations uh, in doing the important work of, of preaching and teaching the gospel. They raised over $2 million in new grant funding last year to support that work. Um, the Office of Church Engagement sent uh, 72 of our undergraduate students out across the globe in these summer uh, fellowships that immerse our students into ministry opportunities, which of course serve those ministries, but also provide important vocational discernment as well for those students. And the Academy for Christian Discipleship, much of which is online, continues to do extremely well with 253 participants in that academy last year. Turning our attention to our beloved Pirates, um, once again, our athletics team won the coveted McElroy Lewis Trophy, which is given to the most competitive athletic uh, program in the Northwest Conference. The Northwest Conference, if you don't know, I think is the most competitive uh, conference in the West uh, in NCAA Division III. To, so to be named the best program in that conference is really uh, quite uh, an achievement. Uh, not only do we compete well on the field of competition, but our students compete well in the classroom. Uh, more scholar-athletes than any other program in the Northwest Conference this year we had as well four academic All-Americans. We had 10 athletic All-American awards in track and field and swimming and men's basketball. And this past spring, two of our baseball players were drafted into the major leagues. Track and field uh, and cross-country athlete Kayla Leland, who many of you know and graduated, who graduated in May, has just been named a top 30 candidate for the National Woman of the Year. And uh, I got a sinking suspicion that she, she might win that thing. And um, so I think a couple of us are going to go out to Indianapolis, hopefully, and bring her some good luck. And uh, we're so proud of Kayla and the woman that she is and the ways that we, she's represented Whitworth. 
So how's that for a year, right? I mean, we did all right. Thank you again for the ways that you all have provided for this kind of success. And um, uh, there's no reason why this coming year can't be just as successful. Let me spend just a few moments highlighting some financial results. Um, the news is all good, so I'm going to go through this fairly uh, quickly. Um, but probably later on this year, Larry uh, Probus and I will do a little road show to make sure all of your questions are, are answered. Um, as I mentioned uh, up top, we, had, we started the year uh, anticipating about a $3.1 million um, revenue shortfall. Um, that is a pretty large um, hole to fill on about a 68 to $70 million budget. And so um, uh, fortunately, the year before, you'll recall, we did the hard work of uh, budget prioritization and rationalization, and we identified about $3.67 million in and expense savings and revenue enhancements. And so um, how fortuitous was that, right? That really prepared us to be able to weather the storm this last year in some unexpected ways. And of course, uh, all of you are good stewards of our financial resources, but we continue to benefit from budget managers' wisdom and discernment around our financial resources. So I'm happy to report that um, in a very difficult enrollment and revenue picture, um, uh, subject to the audit that's taking place this week, it looks like Whitworth will end up this past fiscal year with about a $900,000 underspend. Let's give ourselves a round of applause on that. That's <laughs> remarkable. That's a miracle. That's a loaves and fish miracle, Mama. Yeah. Um, We've, uh, the cabinet has allocated that amount uh, to important one-time needs across the institution, the largest percentages going to our academic and student life areas. But there are a variety of one-time needs that we were able to uh, fill because of that, um, the blessing of that underspend. Our endowment continues to grow, both in terms of additions and new gifts, but also because the market is doing very well. And for the first time in institutional history, we're up over $150 million of endowment support, which of course funds so much across our campus. And um, I'm not going to do that this state of the university, but you'll know that I often spend time trying to convince you that despite the kind of ebbs and flows of our operating performance, uh, Whitworth stands in a relatively good position in terms of our overall financial health. And I would say this past year, our financial health improved even more. So our balance sheet is very healthy. Uh, we're gonna have a review by the Moody's Credit Agency this fall, and I'm anticipating that that's gonna go very well. For this, this current year, the 18-19 year that we're in, um, you may recall that we raised tuition, room, and board at all-time lows in terms of percentages. Again, we're wanting to partner with our families. Uh, we know that the market conditions right now for higher education are such that um, it's hard to raise tuition at all, and, but we still have to cover increases in the cost of running the institution. Um, but our net revenues, of course, are substantially increased because of the bounty, the bumper crop of students that we have. So that puts us in a really good uh, position uh, for this current fiscal year. Um, our revised budget, of course, allowed for the full implementation and funding of our 10 strategic enrollment plan plans. Um, and so we'll be implementing those 
as I said, we're anticipating that, improving our, our financial conditions going forward. And of course, uh, while you all deserve so, so much more, uh, we felt good about the compensation and benefits increase that we were able to provide in the spring. And so hopefully we're on a good trajectory and a good path um, moving forward on that. Um, additional funds uh, from that surplus of an overabundance of students um, were, of course, diverted into academics and student life. Uh, it costs something to educate all of these students. And so uh, I want to give a shout out to all of the deans and program directors for helping us understand your needs and challenges with this larger incoming class. And um, I think we've done a good job of covering many of those needs. The forecast this year is to generate uh, a break-even or, or generate a small underspend. So um, do the good work you do. We've got the resources to do it um, this year. And then just briefly looking out into the future, uh, we're beginning to develop a budget framework for the 1920 academic year. Um, we'll have opportunities for input into that, but just a few things to mention. Um, our board will be making tuition and revenue decisions in October. Uh, that way our admissions and financial aid team can have that information in hand as they recruit the next freshman class. Um, our enrollment assumptions include 625 new freshmen next year, along with 120 transfer students, and really accounting for no growth in our graduate and continuing studies areas. Um, that doesn't mean that Cheryl's not trying to grow those areas, but we're not counting on growth in those areas. Importantly, you'll notice that um, we don't have to recruit another class of 700 students in order to create a good economic environment for us next year. That was a concern that some of you voiced last year was, gee, are we going to have to recruit 700 students every year? And the answer to that is no. Um, we're currently also modeling an all-time low 3% increase for tuition and fees. Our board needs to approve that, but we certainly are going to be advising our board to be as um, generous as possible to our incoming and returning students. And we've also got a placeholder within the current financial model for another 3% compensation pool as well as a generous benefits increase. So we'll be monitoring enrollment all year. Um, we need to recruit another good-sized freshman class. Getting two in a row that meet our budget expectations will do wonders for us. It will, it will free us up to do so many things on the offensive side of the institution. Um, I want to thank Larry Probus, uh, our Vice President for Finance and Administration, Luce Merkel, uh, and everybody in that office for doing an incredible job of managing our financial picture. Would you all join me in thanking them? So I want to spend the last few minutes that we have together talking about a particular area of focus for us. Um, during the summer, it's not unusual for me to um, spend time in prayer and discernment about where the institution needs to go next. And of course, that's multifaceted. Um, last year, I was thinking hard about civil discourse, and I really felt like entering the year we needed to concentrate on equipping one another in, in civil dialogue and discourse. Um, I don't want to say this was a divine revelation, but I, I want to tell you I had a strong sense that what the institution coming off of a wonderful enrollment year needed to really be focused on and singularly minded about is uh, retention and student success. 
um, I'll cut to the, to the chase here. We have an amazing opportunity together as an institution to go from good to great on retention and graduation. We have the opportunity to um, retain more of our students who arrive at our front door on day one, to graduate more of them in the future after their um, educational journeys are over. And of course, there's a moral imperative to do this, there's an educational imperative to do this, and there's an economic imperative to do this. And I want to explain a few of those things as we move forward. As I said, this is really a good to great exercise. We're really good at retaining and educating students. We really are. Um, and I'll prove that to you here in just a moment. Um, but I think we can be better. And I think we can accomplish a lot together if we, if we move the needle on this. Let me define a couple of terms for you if, if this is not something you think about regularly. And it's pretty simple. Retention is basically the rate at which we retain students. The most popular measures of retention are first to second year retention, freshman to sophomore retention. And we basically take a census of our first year students at the 10th class day. That becomes our denominator, if you will. And then the number of students um, that retain into the next year start their sophomore years, either full-time or part-time, becomes the numerator of that equation. And um, that's our retention rate. You can calculate retention rates on second to third year as well. But this is kind of the industry average at measuring retention. A graduation rate is very similar. We just move forward either four years or six years and calculate that number of that initial cohort as freshmen that either graduate after a normal course of study, four years, or after a 150% increase in that course of study, six years. Um, the six-year graduation rate is the industry norm for measuring graduation rates for colleges and universities like ours. Okay, so I'm going to be using retention rates and graduation rates in this presentation. As I mentioned, we're actually quite good at this, and we've gotten even better over the long term. Um, over the last 10 years or so, we've averaged about an 85% retention rate. That is 85% of the freshmen or first-year students that start at Whitworth retain into their second year. Um, you'll see going all the way back to 1989, uh, we were down at 64 5.4%. We weren't nearly where we are today. Um, we've also had some high moments. I've put green rectangles around a few years, 2002, 2005, uh, 2012, where we experienced um, particularly high retention rates. Uh, 2012, 89.1% uh, of that freshman class retained, a very high number. Um, you'll see the percent graduated in six years. So going back to the fall 2012 cohort, which is the last cohort we have data on, some almost 79% of that initial class ended up graduating from Whitworth after six years. Okay. Now, some of you at this point may be questioning yourselves and saying, gee, I thought that we had something like 85% of our students graduating after four years. That number is true as well, but the denominator on that is the number of graduates that we have, right? So um, of those that graduate from Whitworth, 85% do it in four years. You see the difference? But if we go back all the way to the freshman year and calculate graduation rates, um, the latest number is about 79%. And then you see our four-year graduation rates as well. 
Uh, fall 2013, that cohort experienced a 62.5% four-year graduation rate. Um, how does that uh, put us in comparison to some of our peers? Um, here is the first to second year retention in bars. So the blue and brown bars going vertically are retention rates. And then the line graph are four-year graduation rates. And you can see Whitworth is kind of comfortably in the middle, though certainly benefiting from a very respectable retention and four-year graduation rate. But you can see a number of Western institutions that lie to the left of us and who are doing a, a better job and in some cases significantly better job at retaining and graduating students. I would specifically point out Gonzaga, our friend to the south. They boast a 93% freshman to sophomore retention rate. Uh, which is quite, quite good. This four-year graduation rate happens to be not so good. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but certainly we have local competition who are doing a slightly better job than we are at retaining students. This is a very similar graph, but this is the six-year graduation rate on a line graph. And again, you'll see Whitworth is right there at 85% retention, a um, six-year graduation rate. I think that's the average over the last six years at 76%. You can see some Western schools to the right of us, some that are better than we are. But here, what I want to do is convince you that, in fact, we're doing a very good job um, already on this. Uh, this is among other universities in the CCCU, or the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities. Again, Whitworth, we're doing a good job on this. Schools to our left would include places like Westmont, Biola, Calvin, Taylor, and Wheaton, who are doing a better job marginally at retaining and graduating students. And then you can see some of the folks who are looking up at us. And then lastly, another comparison group is our uh, member institutions in the Northwest Conference. And Whitworth finds itself kind of smack dab in the member, uh, middle there. Whitworth and Lewis and Clark are very similar in terms of retention and graduation rates with UPS, Willamette, and Whitman leading the pack. So again, we're doing good. Uh, we're doing good relative to our competition, but there are certainly folks out there who are doing a better job than we are. There's lots of literature out there about the reasons why students don't persist at an institution. And many of these factors are very predictable, and you could name them. Let me mention just a few. Um, personal or family illness, uh, either physical or mental, financial problems, or the need to go back to work um, to make a living. Um, logistical issues like distance from home or other kinds of issues. Uh, the, the fit equation, looking for an institution that's a slightly better fit, uh, location, various amenities. Um, maybe disappointed with academic or co-curricular opportunities at the institution. Inadequate academic preparation. Maybe they weren't quite ready to come into a rigorous uh, a college environment. Maybe they're ill-prepared emotionally or socially, or they're unhappy with the current um, environment that they're in. Uh, they may be disconnected from peers and faculty. They may have had a hard time connecting uh, with people around the institution. And of course, uh, students have agency too, and uh, sometimes they make poor decisions, and um, that can sometimes interrupt their, their educational journeys. Um, we've of course started uh, a lot of retention initiatives at Whitworth. This has been a focus of ours over the last many years. We have a retention committee that gives a singular focus to this issue. 
Uh, we've done off-campus housing outreaches to ensure that students who are living uh, off-campus are supported in important ways. Uh, we have an early alert program and system, which many of you uh, have used, um, and that's benefited our students and our institution. Uh, we've expanded our diversity offerings, our Bucks Bridge program being just one, knowing that those students are bright and capable, but often need different kinds of supports as they come into the institution. Um, we've increased personnel and student life and counseling and health center supports and other wraparound services. Uh, we've added a vet corps counselor this year to serve our veterans population. Most recently, Ken Brown and others have started the what we call the affectionately the dog group, the um, data analytics working group, which is a group in conjunction with the retention committee that's really focusing hard on the ways in which data can inform the efforts that we make to retain students. Um, they did a study recently on factors that you might imagine could impact a student's decision to stay at Whitworth. Um, it was a multivariate kind of um, uh, model where they tested a lot of different factors. Um, and as you might expect, there's probably a lot of things working together here. There's a lot of what a statistician would call collinearity here. Lots of variables working together. But there were three in particular that showed up as being significant. Uh, it's hard to see here, but unmet financial need, that is the amount of their financial need that isn't being met by either the institution or other sources. And then down just a little bit farther, uh, race and ethnicity is a uh, statistically significant predictor, as is uh, being a first-generation college student. Um, it's not that these other factors don't matter. Uh, they do. Uh, they don't matter in a statistical model. But I suspect that a lot of these stories are anecdotal. I, I expect that um, just like we retain or recruit students one at a time, we also retain them one at a time. And many of the factors that influence a student's decision to stay at Whitworth are anecdotal. Um, I mentioned, though, that there are subpopulations within our, within our uh, university that retain at better and worse rates. Uh, that 85% retention figure is an average. But we know that between groups, there can be a lot of variation. Uh, just as an example, that top graph there shows you over time the changes in our freshman to sophomore retention rate across white students and non-white students. White students being the red line, non-white students being the yellow line. Um, you know, uh, those aren't as far apart as perhaps you might imagine. And in fact, this last year, uh, they were as close together as they've been in a long, long time, which I think uh, says a lot about our efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and then the other two graphs are just giving you some sense of the ways that that racial and ethnic population has changed over time, dramatically over time at our institution. Um, first generation on the top there, the blue line are uh, non-first generation students, the uh, yellow line, first generation students. And you can see that uh, non-first generation students retain at much higher rates than first generation students at Whitworth. Um, on the bottom there is off-campus and on-campus. We know that living on campus provides proximity to supports and other services. And not surprisingly, we see students who live their freshman year on campus retain at much higher rates than those students who live off campus. So focusing on retention will be more than just looking at a average. It will be really digging into some of these subpopulations and seeing if we can't move the needle on this. Lastly, this is percent unmet need. Um, 
those that were not retained, you can see in any given year we look at, the yellow line uh, was, uh, had a greater percentage of their need that was unmet uh, by the institution or other sources. So this just kind of confirms what some of that, um, that other analysis told us. So the question I have for us is, can we move from good to great on this? Can we take what is a very respectable performance around retention and success and move to that next echelon of institution in terms of those factors? Um, I think we have a moral imperative. In fact, I know we have a moral imperative to do this. Um, we know, uh, national data teaches us that um, students who drop out in their first attempt at college, um, go on to get a four-year degree at much, much lower rates than students who persist. Um, and so we have a moral imperative for those students that we've invited to our campus to ensure that we've done everything we can uh, to ensure that they can succeed. Um, this is something, by the way, we can all play a role in. This isn't just a faculty issue. This isn't just an academic issue. Uh, Whitworth employees know this better than anyone. Our staff has a, have as much impact on students' experiences at Whitworth as our faculty do. And so this is something I think we can all see ourselves in. Uh, we do retain students one at a time, just like we recruit students one at a time. And so we need to be paying attention to the situational and particular circumstances that our students uh, are experiencing. Um, our institutional culture, I think, is ripe for this. We, we do a good job of forming and sustaining community, and that's going to help us in this endeavor. And, of course, um, this isn't the only reason to do it, but this is a good investment as well. In fact, um, if we anticipate growing our retention rate from about 85% to 90% over the next three years, um, by the time we get to 2026, that's going to generate some $8.1 million more in revenue just because those students are actually going to be at the institution. So if you think about, well, this initiative is going to cost something, of course it's going to cost something. But it returns in, in terms of financial returns um, uh, pretty dramatically. So I'm happy to announce this morning and I want you all to support a new initiative. The students have helped me name this initiative and we're calling it the Pirates Persist initiative. And it's very simple, uh, but it's going to be difficult. It's the, the concept is simple and that is we're going to move our retention rate from an average of 85% to 90% and we're going to move our six-year graduation rate to 80% over time. Um, this is a three-year initiative. This puts us out to the end of our strategic plan. This, by the way, isn't a new goal. You'll find the 90% retention rate in Whitworth 2021 right now. But um, as a function of naming this as an issue that we want to tackle and something that we know is important for our institution and for our students, um, I hope that you'll support this initiative. It's going to be important for us to do. Um, it's going to be an all-in approach. I've already talked to the students about it. They're all in. Um, I know you all will be all in on this uh, to thinking hard about these issues. Of course, there are going to be new structures and resources and working groups. Today is not the day to solve all of those issues. Uh, today is the day to convince you that this is a worthy cause for us and that we'll have time going forward to figure all of this out. We're going to find new and innovative strategies. We're going to employ the good strategies that we're already employing. And you know what? We're going to cheat a little bit. 
and we're going to go find those institutions that are doing a particularly good job, and we're going to copy them. Um, we're going to figure out what they're doing, and we're going to try to mimic many of those best practices. So I'm very excited about this, and I think this is a worthy endeavor. It's something that we can put our heads to over the next three years. Our students will be better off for it. Our institution will be better off for it, and uh, we'll have the privilege of moving into that upper echelon in terms of student success. My last slide is this, um, just a few things to anticipate this year. Uh, of course, the Pirates Persist campaign is going to be starting, and we're going to be using students to help us launch that. Um, but we're certainly going to be employing all of you all as well um, to think hard about ways that we can improve our students' outcomes. Um, our faculty are continuing to roll up their sleeves on the general education revision. I know our faculty retreat later on this week will focus on that work. Um, of course, we're all still working for Greg uh, and Cheryl, for that matter, and we're going uh, we're gonna to recruit another fabulous class this year um, to come to Whitworth next year. Uh, we are going to, we funded our SCP projects, but now we need to launch them successfully. So we'll be depending on all of you, of course, to get off to a fast start on those. Um, among those SCP strategies are a couple that are going to take a little extra due diligence. Um, those of you who have been proximate to that uh, process so far know that we're seriously contemplating a move into the graduate health sciences area, specifically professional doctoral degrees in both physical therapy and occupational therapy. Um, we are going to really encourage the faculty to take a very close look at this. We've done about a year of due diligence on this. Um, we think that these are amazing opportunities educationally, but also amazing opportunities to continue to fit Whitworth into the Spokane region's emphasis on biomedical research and health sciences. And so um, I think the stars are aligning perhaps for Whitworth to make an aggressive move in these areas and we'll be working very closely with the faculty to make sure we're making good decisions on that. Uh, we want to continue to draw upon the lessons we learned last year in our conversations on civil discourse. Um, we we want to have tough conversations on campus. This is an academic community. Uh, but we want those conversations uh, ideally to be animated, first of all, by our faithful commitments, but also by a willingness um, to engage in those intellectual and moral virtues that we highlighted last year. And so we'll continue to have opportunities to do that. Uh, living into our diversity action planning process from last year, I know Lorna is excited about getting us started on many of those. And then lastly, in Dolores' area, this is something that we talked about last year, uh, we're going to be conducting a pretty comprehensive compensation study that will help inform the ways not only we think about uh, equipping you all with compensation and benefits, but also the processes by which we do that. And so uh, we'll certainly be needing a lot of your input, advice, and counsel as we do that. So um, it's going to be a great year. And as I said, uh, and as I usually say at the outset of the year, there's no reason why this year can't be the best year in Whitworth's history. And friends, the wind is in our sails. Um, we've got resources, uh, we've got people, we've got plenty of students, and we've got a mission that compels us to do a wonderful, wonderful job in the classroom um, and in other educational spaces. Um, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for the work that you will do. Um, and uh, I appreciate you. Oh, I, I almost forgot one thing here. 
if you haven't heard, we've got a lot of people on campus in October. Uh, we're doing homecoming and family weekend, uh, the board meeting all in one weekend, and we've got Secretary Colin Powell on campus that weekend as well. And so um, Scott and his team have been working really hard on that weekend. I hope you're looking forward to that as much as I am. God bless you all. Thank you very much.